Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. Camp is just one of those special times. We know that there's not necessarily a, a scripture passage and verse that says, thou shalt go to camp, okay? And not everyone has had the opportunity to do that. But why do we send our teens, why do we even host on our own property each year a junior camp for our young ones? Why do we take that time? And I think you know many of the reasons tonight. If you have your Bibles, open up with me to Psalm 139. As I introduce just a few of the reasons, obviously we know whenever a child gets the chance to go to camp, all, many of their different distractions are eliminated. All of a sudden, they go from being saturated in everything that the world has to offer to being saturated in God's Word. Hearing messages three times a day could be tiring for any of us, but it is a wonderful opportunity for scriptural saturation. And then even having time where they have mentors who they can look up to and music that uh, really encourages their hearts to think on God, it's just a time where really they evaluate the path of their own life without distractions and allow God's Word to come into play and then have some godly people surrounding them who both want to live that way too and also those who would be willing to guide them as they have questions as they're intaking all of that with God's Word. Psalm 139 is a wonderful passage where the psalmist, and actually Gabe even mentioned this passage tonight, but the psalmist steps here in Psalm 139 and he begs God to search out his heart. If we can, let's start at the end for just a moment to show why he asked God to do all of this, and then we'll pray and dive into this passage for the next 15 minutes or so. He says in verse 23, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Why? And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. As the psalmist writes this psalm, he cares deeply about what direction his life is going to go in. He uses that word, the way, twice there. Search me, O God, and show if there's any part of me that's wandering off in a wicked way, and lead me in a way that is righteous. Lead me in a way that will lead to eternal joys. So he asks God, search my heart so that I can properly evaluate the path in front of me and make the right decisions. That really is why... We have so many opportunities for, for our teens and for our young uh, kids to go to camp because we want them to be able to step back at an early point in their life and evaluate what path am I on. And I think for tonight, all of us can ask God to do that same exact work in our own heart. As now, during this time where we don't have distractions, we can stand and look at God's Word and think through, Lord, what path of life am I on? Are there any subtle attitudes of my own heart that would possibly draw me somewhere else? Or as Pastor Ben spoke about this morning, are there any loves that I have that rival my love for Jesus and that would then lead me on a path that would be not pleasing to you? Let's pray as we dive into Psalm 139 tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us. Truly, Father, it is wonderful for us to reflect on everything that you've done. But Lord, truly, we need your help to search out our own hearts as we evaluate the path of life that we're on. Lord, may we be pure in heart before you. Be genuine. And when we have sin in our lives, Lord, show it to us that we may change and walk in a path that you will be pleased in. So tonight, as we look into your word, Lord, guide us with your wisdom. May your spirit be our teacher as we reflect on this wonderful psalm that David wrote. Lord, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen. There was one game whenever we were kids that my parents never let us play if a babysitter came over. Okay, many parents, you have things that you say, when, before the babysitter comes in that door, you say, do, you do not try to persuade them to do this, because they know that we'll try. 
And for my parents, that game was hide-and-seek. If we were to play hide-and-seek in the house, we would go in every closet, pull things off every shelf, and then bury ourselves underneath. And so if we, if we were to play hide-and-go-seek with a babysitter, our parents would come home and the house would be destroyed. Um, and so it was important for us to learn not to play that game when my parents were not home. Also, I think of times we're at college you know, I was a college freshman, very, very not sharp when I got to college, all right? And when I got there, a lot of, one of the things that I found myself doing the most was I would just lose things everywhere. Uh, all, thankfully, Maranatha was a small campus, but I would lose things all over campus. And the lost and found was all the way over uh, at the edge of campus, and it was only open during certain hours, and I could never get there to pick up the stuff that I lost. And in fact, I lost so many things, and then I ended up talking to one of the custodial guys, I lost so many things that they literally moved the lost and found. Um, they moved up to the main part of campus. Um, and <laughs> it still is there, I think. Um, and as hard as it was for me to lose things all the time and have to search them out, there is one thing that is infinitely harder for me or for any of us to search, and that is our own hearts. We feel like we are the master of our own heart. We feel like if anyone knows the way that we think, it's us. But truly, we need the Holy Spirit of God to help us search out our own hearts because when we evaluate ourselves, we may or may not have an accurate view, but God's Word and God's Holy Spirit can reveal to us the exact things we need to change right now. Psalm 139 is a blessed passage. We have the chance to see our need to search out our own hearts. And the word search in this passage actually means to examine with pain and care. The Jewish people understood this word to mean that they were digging deep into a mine or exploring a land that they didn't know about or investigating a legal case. The idea there was it was painstaking work to search out something. And as David opens this psalm, he says, O oh Lord, you have searched me. God has taken diligent work to search out your own hearts. And so tonight we have to ask ourselves if God can, in a sense, play hide and go seek with our own hearts and show us what we need to know. And so the first reason we should ask God to do that in our own hearts is because he already knows it. And verses 1 through 6 show us that. He says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. We ask God to search out our own hearts, frankly, because he is always doing it anyways. David, when he started, he says, Lord, you have searched me. You do know me. And he continues to describe this in a wonderful poetic way, all the ways that God knows him better than he knows anybody else. You know, if you're ever in a stage of life where you're asking for important advice, there's a lot of people that you might seek out as counselors. But some of those counselors, no doubt that you would seek out, are those who know you the best. Those who have known you maybe for many years or knew you during a very important time in your life. Those who you know who know your personalities and even your weaknesses and your giftings. Those are the kind of people that when you're asking for advice, sometimes you go to those who know you better than anybody else does. And as David writes this psalm, he goes to the person that knows him better than anybody, the person who knows him better than he even knows himself. He comes to God, and he says in verse 2, he says, you know my down-sitting and mine uprising. He knows every time that you sit down and you stand up. 
Even the closest of friends you have in life, if you were to ask them, do you know how many times I stood up or sat down today, would have no clue how to answer that question. But God himself pays so much attention to you that he even knows the simplest thing is how many times you stand up or you sit down. He says, you understand my thoughts from afar off. The word understand here really means to discern or distinguish with insight. And so God knows not only what your thoughts are, but he's thought about how your thoughts are operating. He cares deeply. He understands your thoughts from afar off. He knows the slightest of motives to every action we make. In verse 3, he says, you can pass my path and my lying down. You were acquainted with all my ways. God, you know every tick about me. You know every little thing I do, everything I think about, everything I dream about, from the moment when I wake up to the moment I go to sleep, and even when I sleep, you know everything about the way that I think. He says, there is not, in verse 4, a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. God knows your thoughts completely. He knows every word that comes out of your mouth. He says, Lord, you know it all together. He says, you have beset me behind and before. God knows your entire path of life. Everything you've done in the past, everything you're going to do in the present, he is guiding all of those circumstances sovereignly by his own hand, so much so that the psalmist says, you've laid your hand upon me. There's something encouraging, and parents, you can get this idea, that, that when you take your hand and you just put it on your child's shoulder, maybe it's in a moment of stress, or maybe sometimes you just have a mentor and you're in the midst of stress, or someone's praying for you, and they just put their hand on your shoulder. It communicates how much they are with you in that moment. Like, I am here for you. I am supporting you. You can push forward. I'm here to encourage you along the way. And if we truly grasp how much, how intimately God knows us, it's almost as if his hand is on our shoulder. He is right there with us at every moment. He has laid his hand upon us. And as David reflects on this, he is just amazed. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. David, as he reflects on all the ways that God knows him, says, God, you know me so much, it blows my mind. I can't believe how much you would think about me, how much you would care about me. And so the reason that David comes to God and says, God, search me, is because God knows him better than anyone. And that's the case for every single one of us here today. As you are asking God to search out your own heart, God knows you period. And sometimes we believe that we are the masters of our own heart. We believe that no one knows us better than we do. But even as much as you think as you know about yourself, you are not the expert of your own heart. God is. And God is the one who can perfectly show us what we need to change. In fact, sometimes we even are very sensitive in our spirit and we think, okay, I need to change this and this and this and this. And sometimes the burden of that can even be overwhelming. But when we ask God to search, us our heart, search our heart, he so graciously shows us each day little things that we need to change that help us continually be on the right path. It's a very appropriate prayer for us every morning to wake up and say, God, show me today the ways that I need to change. Show me today the ways that I need to walk in righteousness more. We ask God to search our heart because he already knows it. Secondly, we ask God to search out our hearts because his presence is always there. His presence is always there. So in verse 7, he begins in this wonderful book of poetry to describe to us, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. 
If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth at the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. God's presence is with us everywhere. Warren Wearsby said, God wants to walk with us and guide us because his plan for us is the very best. See, God is with us, first of all, wherever we go. And so that's why David begins to describe, he says, where could I ever run from you? If there was ever a moment, if it's just a little bit scary, that God knows that much about you, and you think, is there any place that I could go where he no longer looks? The answer is no. He says, whither can I go from your spirit? Where could I flee to get away from your presence? And the implied answer is nowhere. But he goes on to show us. He says, if I ascend up into heaven, if I go up into the sky, Lord, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, if I go to the lowest parts of the earth, Lord, you too are there as well. He says, if I take the wings of the morning, say you could just jump on the breeze that comes by your home this morning and float to somewhere far away, even if you could take the wings of the morning or if you could dive into the very depths of the sea. There is no place where God will not see you. There is no place where God will not be with you. Our omnipresent God is with us at all times. And he's paying attention at all times. You see, if we were to ever try to play hide-and-go-seek with God, we would utterly fail. There is no place we could go that he would ever be surprised. God knows where we are better than anyone. He's present with us wherever we go. He's also present with us even at our own birth. In verse 13, and a wonderful passage for us to reflect on even this week, where it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy books all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You see, even when, before we were even created, God knew exactly who we would be. He created every single part of us as we developed in our mother's womb. And it's an incredible joy for us to realize that every single person is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's easy for us to look and to, to reflect on the fact that, well, somebody else has those skills. Somebody else has those abilities. I wish those were things that I had. Our selfish heart often envies the positives that others have in their own lives. And yet we come back to this passage and we're reminded that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. There was an insightful question even from a kid at our junior camp this week who came up and asked, so if God made us fearfully and wonderfully, then what about all the bad things that I do? <laughs> and had to remind him even of our sin nature and how God made our personality and he made everything that we have for his glory and we can use those for his glory and we can also misuse those for our own sake. And so we're reminded that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and so take those things that God has given you and use those for his glory. He was present at your birth. He was also present in thought and protection of us. In verse 17, he says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. You know, God thinks about us in a precious way. He thinks about us in a great way. Sometimes we wonder if God looks at us and he's just constantly disappointed. And yet we forget that as he looks on us, he doesn't see our unrighteousness, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, he looks at you in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 
He knows you better than anybody could ever know you. And so he says, how precious are the ways that you think about me, O God. Not only the ways that he thinks about him, but how often he thinks about him. He says, how great is the sum. If I could count them, they're more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with thee. Now, any of you who have ever gone on vacation to the beach, I doubt that your favorite activity is to sit there in your lawn chair or your beach chair and to pick up every grain of sand and count how many are on the beach and then brag to your family that you counted every grain of sand on the beach. Your vacation would be over without even being able to finish that task. And yet, in the same way, God says that you could count as many of these pieces of sand as you want, but God thinks about you infinitely more times than there are grains of sand. And so not only does God think about you in precious ways, he thinks about you so much. He thinks about you constantly. And that can be a comforting thing for us, even in times of life where we feel like maybe no one else sees what's going on in our lives. Our God often sees. He always sees and cares. He is present in our thoughts. And even in protection, as as David begins to talk about some of the enemies that he deals with, those who seem to be unjust in this world, God sees and cares about those things. So we should ask God to search out our hearts because, first of all, he already knows it. He knows us better than anybody does. We should ask God to search out our hearts because he is with us all the time. There is not one moment of your life where you ever escape the loving gaze of your God. He sees you at every moment. But then lastly, we ask God to search our hearts because it allows us to see what needs to be changed. And that brings us to the wonderful conclusion that we started with, where it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, this word search is serious business. It means that he has done a great amount of work. The same way that Israel, when they would travel, would have to explore all these different lands to know every single part of it, what's going on there. God has looked detailed in a detailed way into your heart and he knows every single part of it. There's not one part that is darkened to his all-seeing eye. He knows every single part. And it shows us exactly what we need to change. God knows our hearts, and his presence assures us of that, but we need him to do it because we can't. We are creatures in a constant need of change. We need God. David asked God, penetrate my heart in order for me to know the exact things that I need to change. One year when I was at college, I had just gotten a brand new laptop in order to do a lot of my, my schoolwork on that device. And pretty quickly as I was using it, nothing worked. It took forever to turn on. I couldn't even open up a Word document. Simple things that should be able to happen on a computer, especially a brand new one, were not happening on this thing. And I could not figure out why. So I had to bring it to the IT department. And IT actually took this little machine and they hooked it up to my hard drive in order to search it out. And they found that throughout that brand new hard drive, there was corruption everywhere. Unfortunately, without them, I would have had no idea what was going on with my computer. I couldn't search out his hard drive. I had no idea how to look into it. It wasn't until they hooked up that machine and searched it out that they found the corruption that needed to be changed, and we made the, fix- the things that needed to be fixed in order for my computer to actually work. And in the same way, we could in- look with introspection at our own hearts, and we could evaluate it inside and out as best as we possibly can, but without the mirror of God's Word, Without the Holy Spirit of God showing us God's word to us, we will not be able to interpret the corruption of our own heart. So praise God that he's given us his word. Praise God that we can ask him to search out our hearts, and that shows us what is on our spiritual hard drive. 
You see, we don't have the ability to scan our hearts on our own, but God indeed can do that. And so today, it's wonderful for us to reflect, because as our teens came back from camp, really the whole focus of that, and pretty much every speaker on their first night of camp will say, is your heart tender enough to God's Word that if He shows you something, you're willing to change? And that's really exactly what this passage asks us to do. Lord, if you reveal to me in my own heart something that's wicked, something that even just subtly is sinful, help for me to correct that by the power of your word and your spirit, and help for me to walk in the way that's everlasting. You know, over my college years, I got a little bit better about finding things that I had lost, but I'm still not very good at searching out my own heart. I need God to do that work for me. And so for all of us tonight, reflect on this. Ask God to search out our hearts because he already knows it, because he's with us wherever we go. And lastly, because that's exactly what we need in order for us to be changed in Christ's likeness for him to reveal those things to us. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.